Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans dissect the heck out of the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. Guess which episode we're talking about this week? I'll tell you. It's Life in a Glass House, the seventh episode of season one, which was written by Mike Kelly, directed by Robert Duncan McNeil, and originally aired on November 4th, 2003. How'd you like my Brooke Davis impression? Love it. <laughs> was, it spot, was it spot on? Yes. I, I just want to be Brooke. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Did you know, Jeremy, that I actually saw Dan's house? Really? In Wilmington. In real life. Do people live there? People live there. Like real people, not like Dan and Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were cars parked or a car parked in the driveway. So I'm assuming real people live there. Okay. But that was just one of the homes that we visited. Not obviously inside, but took pictures on the outside. <laughs> we weren't that creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been creepy. <laughs> I would have been like, who's that in there? I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. If the person who lives there listens to this podcast, I'm just going to make that very clear. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but wow, it, that's I, awesome. Seeing the homes were, was really fun. But this one in particular, it honestly, like, it looks as grand as it does on the on the show. Like, they have, I guess you would call it, like, a carport, where the car, it's not like a garage, but literally, like, you drive under it. I guess that's what a carport is, right? Like, it just is kind of, it's a fancy house, for sure. Really? So, okay. Now, I wonder, is it the same set they used to film it inside? You know, I'm not sure. But I, I feel like it could have been. Because it just, it looks like such a real house. Yeah, definitely. Like, in this episode, they definitely had to use, like, the backyard. Oh, yeah, totally. For sure. And, you know, they have that basketball court that Nathan always plays on. I guess that's behind the house. I don't know. Interesting. That's awesome. Yeah, we only saw the front, so. But it is, it is a grand Scott home, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. it, It really is, like, the perfect house. Always and Forever is spoiler-free, but please stay tuned after the credits for all the spoilers. Somebody told me that this is a place where everything's better and everything's safe. At the Scots' annual basketball appreciation party, there is plenty of drama, jealousy, and misunderstandings. With Peyton's courtesy hold on Lucas now expired... Brooke turns up the heat and tries to get Lucas's attention at the party, even though he is still interested in Peyton. Drunk and upset that Lucas is paying no attention to her, Brooke starts a game of truth or dare in which she dares Peyton to admit her true feelings and kiss Lucas. Shockingly, Peyton kisses Lucas in front of everyone. Peyton and Lucas start to hook up in a bedroom, but once Lucas reveals he wants a serious relationship, Peyton gets scared of being vulnerable and leaves the room. Before the party, Haley confessed to Lucas that she likes Nathan. At first, he reacted negatively, but eventually understood and told Haley to be careful. However, it's not only Nathan who Haley should be careful around. At the party, Brooke found a note that Haley wrote to Nathan, where she encouraged him with his schoolwork. Even more drunk and upset now, Brooke uses this innocent note to embarrass Haley and says Nathan passed the note around, mocking Haley. Feeling very hurt and disappointed, Haley leaves the party. Also at the party, Karen gets some closure and forms a friendship with Zeb. Meanwhile, Dan, the man who initially prevented them from forming that friendship, seems to be stuck in the past. And we learn that Jake is keeping a secret. He's a teen dad with a baby daughter. Gasp. 
busy reading The Great Gatsby. I'm Caitlin Illinich. And a beauty queen of only 18. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny that that was your <laughs> intro. Because I actually thought about including a lyric from that song too. Really? And I didn't do it. <laughs> you should have. Was my Adam Levine repression good? You did. Very Thanks. good job. Was it pretty yep. spot on? I don't know who I'm trying to be. Like, I tried to be Brooke Davis earlier, now I'm trying to be Adam Levine. I don't know what I'm trying to do here. But, you know, I'm just I'm just going to roll with it. Who will I be next? Who knows? Apparently, you also want to be Haley in our Lucas and Haley friendship, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so on Instagram, just a couple days ago, we received a comment on a selfie that Caitlin and I took. And it said that we were giving off um, Lucas and Haley vibes in our friendship, which was honestly the biggest honor in the world. It like, really, really, really fucking love that. <laughs> but I had to clarify that I'm Haley. Hey, I guess I really am Lucas now because the Bud- BuzzFeed quiz said so. so. Yes, you all took a BuzzFeed quiz that said you were Lucas. <laughs> but the BuzzFeed quiz told me I was Brooke. So, I'm We are just... not Brookus, so... <laughs> So I have a little bit of an identity crisis going on, and that's okay. Although, I gotta say, I really do not want to be Brooke in this episode. Oh, God. Which, yeah, let's, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. First up, though, this episode is named after a Radiohead song called Life in a Glass House, and I didn't come up with anything too substantial on how the song connects. Um, I think it's basically just about, like, don't throw stones in a glass house. Which, what happens in this episode? And a lot of those stones are being thrown by Brooke. Yeah, definitely. The way I look at it, it's kind of all about putting up appearances. Because the lyric, she is putting on a smile, living in a glass house. It just seems like the song's about people that aren't necessarily happy about their life and don't like to be the center of attention in a way. Okay. Um, And always being, like, looked on as something really great and grand. Like, the song ends, there's someone listening in. So it it seems that's, like, the conflict of the song. And I think that could um, actually be connected to Dan a little bit, too, because Dan lives this privileged life, and he's the one who's living in the past. But then, like, everybody else is, like, trying to move forward. Like, Karen moves forward. Keith is trying to move on beyond, like, what happened in the previous episode with, you know, when he tried to punch Dan. He's trying to move forward. Deb's trying to move forward as well. And Dan is the one who's getting in the way of it. So, yeah, he's living his privileged life, but he actually is kind of miserable. Yeah, I I was thinking of Dan when I read these lyrics as well. Mm -hmm. And then one quick note about The Great Gatsby, because it's kind of related to this song. Lucas is seen reading The Great Gatsby at the very beginning of the episode when he's sitting outside of school. And him sharing that particular book, it's kind of a nod to some of the themes that even... Like, this show's already dealing with privilege and class differences. And I just feel like the sense of, you know, this lavish life not really being what it's all kind of cracked up to be, which you can kind of, you can kind of see into Dan's glass house, if you will, and see that his life isn't as great as you would think from the outside. So I know the book deals, I read the book a while ago, it deals with some of those themes. So I think it was interesting that they chose that particular title for this, this episode. That same scene where he's reading the book, though, or he has the book in front of him, um, Peyton tells Lucas, she's like, 
So I was reading a book last night, too. It's a story about this girl and this guy, and they've got this really weird vibe thing going on. And there's all this drama, because the girl's got this ex-boyfriend who turns out to be none other than the guy's brother. Does that have any connection to The Great Gatsby, or is that just, like, Peyton making a joke? That's just Peyton making a joke. Okay. I don't remember The Great Gatsby. I don't even know if I even read it in high school. I know I was assigned to read it. That doesn't mean I actually read it. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry to my English teacher, junior high school. Shame, shame on you, Jeremy. Shame, shame. (laughs) I read the spark notes, so I don't remember the story. And I saw the Leonardo DiCaprio movie, but I don't remember it at all. Yeah. I don't think there's, there really isn't a direct connection to to um one tree hill but i think some of the themes for sure resonate you know they're going to this fancy house party usually the first thing that people think of when they think of the great gatsby are the fancy you know roaring 20s parties that are just kind of over the top so i think that that's they were trying to nod to that maybe a little bit this life of privilege i can say that so to transition to each topic for this episode what if we take inspiration from Karen, <laughs> Lucas, and Keith, and say, okay. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you really should. So let's let's do that. When we're ready to transition to another topic, let's call. <laughs> I love that. Sound like a game plan? Uh-huh. Cool. Are we starting that now, or we'll just yeah. segue into this one? Okay. Yeah, well, I just did it. That's oh, okay. yeah, true. You just did it. <laughs> so... Should I react to it, or I kind of did react to it? I think that reaction was okay, the reaction we're going to use. <laughs> yep. Okay. So. I found it interesting that Haley actually confessed to Lucas that she liked Nathan. Because literally, like, an epi- last episode or the episode before, she was saying that, you know, it's just tutoring, and it's just, that's it. There's nothing else. And yeah. now suddenly, like, at the start of this episode, she comes into his room and even surprises the audience as well because we know that she's been talking to Nathan and maybe there's something more but it hasn't been very obvious to the audience. But it comes into his room. Haley comes into Lucas's room. Oh, Lucas's room. I was like, he Did I say Nathan? Oh gosh. If I said Nathan, I meant Lucas. <laughs> she comes into his, yeah. I think you said either that or I misheard it. Okay. My bad. We'll find out when we edit. <laughs> um, yeah, that was kind of wild how she just, like, decided to confess it. I like that Lucas is the first person she comes clean to about it, though. Mm-hmm. I thought that was yeah. very sweet. And I also like that Lucas even gave her the space to just let her be. He told her to be careful, but he said that he understood. Yeah, his initial reaction was, you know, oh my gosh, really? <laughs> and then he warmed up to it quickly because Haley was honest and she said, you know, you like who you like. You can't really control your feelings. Mm-hmm. Which is really relatable, because it's true. Definitely. I like how at the ends, um, after everything essentially blew up at the party with Nathan, you know, due to a misunderstanding and whatnot, I like how Haley told Lucas that if there's anybody who deserves I told you so, it's me. And then Lucas is like, well, you're not going to get it from me. And I just thought that was so sweet. It just shows, like, how tight they are as friends. I feel like he was kind of mean to Haley about tutoring nathan all this time but i feel like in this episode he sort of comes around and i thought yeah. that was very sweet and nathan's also starting to lay off lucas so things look like they're getting a bit better at least the tension is subsiding a little yeah going on that little adventure last week i feel like that really helped their relationship a little also i really loved how at the party tim t- um, talks to nathan he says what kind of public humiliation do you have planned for pucus tonight and then Nathan's like, that's a little bit played out, don't you think? 
Yep, I was thinking of that scene. Yeah, and I said this before in a previous episode. This show does not draw out storylines. Just as it's starting to become too much, it will end it. And I feel like that's what's happening right now. Like, by all means, Nathan and Lucas are not perfect. But overall, like, these public humiliation things and these fights, they're essentially dying down right now. And honestly, what else could Nathan do? (laughs) (laughs) He did the worst things he could pretty much do. Exactly. Now we're, yeah, now the storyline is moving on. Yeah. Thank goodness. So. Cool! (laughs) Now let's get to the real good stuff. Brooke is just awful. Oh, do we have to talk about this? (laughs) Is this her worst episode ever? Because I think so. (laughs) It's, it goes down as one of Brooke's worst episodes. Yeah. Like, she's just very, ugh. I love how nice both of us are to Brooke, though, because for the script, Caitlin wrote down, Brooke is awful. <laughs> As a bullet point. And let me tell you, like, uh, when I rewatched the entire season, so I rewatched the entire season before we did this podcast, and I shot it, like, I didn't really, like, take, like, meticulous notes like I do, like, now. But it was just, like, little bullet points here and there, like, you know, thoughts I came up with as I was watching it. And mm-hmm. you wrote, Brooke is awful. I wrote for my notes a long time ago. I just wrote, Brooke is mean. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't even cover her behavior in this one. She's toxic in this episode. Toxic. She's making up lies to poor Haley. It just, oh my God. So I guess it all begins really with, once again, the very beginning of the episode, she tells Peyton, all right, your courtesy hold is up. I got Lucas now. You had your chance and you didn't do anything. So it's my turn now. <laughs> Which I, I gotta say that, like that, um, that time when she does say that though, I liked where she said that, oh, you can get back with Nathan and we can trade off once in a while. I love, like, <laughs> all right, normalizing polyamory. I'm into it, girl. Brooke Davis was before her time, all right? <laughs> that was a good one. Yes. But no, like, she was, yeah, she was terrible. She was very toxic. I don't like how she she lied to both Nathan and Peyton about, so-and-so wants to get back with you. And it was literally all just to uh, get to Lucas. Yeah, that's her focus this whole episode. And I know she said that to Peyton, that your courtesy hold is up. I get that. It was, it's nice for her to say that, to kind of warn Peyton, all right, now it's my chance. But Lucas wasn't buying into anything Brooke was, you know, giving him this episode. Mm -hmm. He didn't want anything to do with her at all. And she just didn't accept that and move on. She just kept doing it over and over and then getting drunker and drunker and then obviously when things get to that level it, it just turns bad it was just a clear disrespect of boundaries in general it's like she knows that peyton likes lucas or has some kind of feelings for him and that's where this whole truth or dare thing comes into play she right. dares peyton to show reveal her true feelings for lucas and kiss him in front of everyone so she gets it. She gets that Peyton clearly has some kind of feelings. She's trying to figure out, like, I guess what to do. I don't know. What was the purpose of that? What do you think? Honestly, I don't even think it was necessarily about Lucas. I think she just saw Lucas as a hot guy that she wanted to hook up with. I think at the end of the day, Brooke just wanted sex. Yeah. Because she, she makes advances on both Nathan and Jake. Yeah, And they're does. both not having any of that. But then also in this episode, Brooke is trying to get Peyton back with Nathan. She's lying to both Peyton and Nathan. Yeah. And trying to trick them into, like, liking each other again. But that's just not happening. <laughs> oh, definitely. 
Well, I think Brooke moved on to Nathan because she obviously saw that Peyton and Lucas were having a vibe thing going on. Yeah. And then she tries it with Jake. She accuses him of being gay, and I'm like, okay, like, accuses him of being gay. That's the wrong word to use, but you know what I mean? Like, says, like, oh, I get it, you're gay, which is a little bit homophobic and a little bit presumptuous, just because a guy isn't into you, it doesn't mean he's gay. Mm Mm-hmm. Come on now. You know who I wanted to see Brooke hook up with? The bartender. (laughs) Yeah. They had the most (laughs) chemistry that that night. Because I'm assuming the bartender was flirting with her. I I was kind of into it. By the way. Fun fact about that bartender. Do you recognize her? No, I don't. So, in, remember in the pilot when Nathan kisses a girl on the school bus? That's her? Same actress, yeah. Really? Yeah. I never noticed that before at all. Yep, fascinating, huh? Thank you. You were so welcome. And I liked her. I thought she was really cute. Actually, there's one that I don't like. I mean... One thing I don't like about Brooke's storyline, yeah, there's there's a lot of things I don't like about Brooke's storyline. But you notice at the end, she's passed out in Nathan's bedroom, and then Nathan is standing over her? Yeah. I don't know, like, something about that just made me uncomfortable. Yeah, because the camera pans across her legs and up. It was odd to me. Like, I just, I didn't like that at all. I think it was supposed to show that she was so drunk. And she just passed out. So, like, all of the things that she said and did, she really didn't mean. Hopefully, at least. Right, Because, (laughs) like, she's pretty much wrecked anything. Before anything could even begin with Nathan and Haley, she just wrecks it by making up that story, which honestly would be believable. And I'm not surprised that Haley fell for that because Nathan is that kind of guy. But, like, Brooke was stirring the pot big time. Like, I have have space for that. Like, I, I understand why Haley could be insecure. But, come on. The previous week, Haley was with Brooke, who was, like, drugged out of her minds. And, this is you know, becoming she... a pattern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying, like, you know, you want to, you know, you want to party and everything like that? You know, do, do what you want. I'm not even trying to shame people for that. But I am saying this, that, like, um, obviously, Brooke is the most trustworthy person in the world. Not to Haley, at least, at this current point. No. And, you know, she she's talked to Nathan several times. Like, she should have reason to trust Nathan more than Brooke. Yeah, that's true. It's one of those issues I have with early One Tree Hill, where a problem could be solved, and two people just talk to each other. Everything would be great if they just did that. Yeah, and then Haley, at the end of the night, doesn't even want to acknowledge Nathan or hear what he has to say. Which, he made, he came all the way there to the cafe. Why not hear him out, at least? Yeah, I gotcha. And like, again, I have space. Like, hey, you don't want to, you don't want to talk about it. You need space. Like, that's great. But at the same time, like, you don't know the whole story. At the same time, though, even at the party, like after Haley, like, um, walks, storms off. Why doesn't Nathan try to be more aggressive and just say, Haley, no, that's not what happened. Like, he could have said at that moment, like, I did not pass any note around. Brooke, what are you doing? You are a liar. He didn't even try that. That never happens in TV shows. You're like (laughs) screaming in your head, say something, and no one has an explanation. And then the scene ends and you're like, what the heck? This is a great example. Exactly. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. So they just need to talk to each other. I, I feel like One Tree Hill gets out of this pattern very quickly, but a lot of a lot of season one, those are the issues. Like where they just just talk to each other, please. I know. Mm. Oh boy. All right. <laughs> I almost want to do this for every episode. It's such an easy transition, but I'm afraid like it it'll is. hurt people's ears. <laughs> 
Email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com if you like that transition. If you hate it, also let us know too. We won't do it ever again. We're not going to do it the next time we record. We're going to hurt people's ears. <laughs> Tell us how high pitched it is so we know. <laughs> well, I can, I can edit it to make it sound like a little bit lower. <laughs> I just don't want to scare people. Like, you know, if you're, like, in your car, and you all of a sudden, <laughs> I guess we have to put a disclaimer on this episode. <laughs> Loud sounds at random times. <laughs> Beware. Oh, Lord. Oh, gosh. All right. So, I'm really digging Lucas and Peyton. Are you now? I am really upset that Peyton left the room. Like, come on. This is another one of those frustrating storylines in TV shows and movies. It's like one person is really feeling it. The other person is too scared to be vulnerable and then leaves the room. And then that's that scene over. Oh, it's just disappointing. But like they finally got to that point where she kisses him in the dare. And obviously it was a bit more passionate than it was intended to be. And then (laughs) I love when she says, want to play again? (laughs) (laughs) That was hot. <laughs> I laughed out loud when she said that. <laughs> and I've seen this episode how many times through the years, and I still laugh. <laughs> what a play again. I'm like, oh, like, you're, you're feisty. I'm into it. <laughs> I'm into it, too. It's, it's funny. And then, you know, they obviously go to the bedroom, and then... That was hot. <laughs> yep. You know. I know they're supposed to be. I know they're supposed to be 17. They are not 17 in real life. We can say that they're hot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, I love that scene, and I love the Maroon 5 song playing in the backgrounds. Yep, love it too. And that, mm-hmm. oh gosh, we'll we'll hold that conversation, but oh, so good, so good. <laughs> why, Peyton, why did you leave? You're standing in front of John Michael Murray, what are you doing? <laughs> Wait, did you just say because you're standing in front of Chad Michael Murray? What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, I mean, not, you know, she's standing in front of Lucas, but he's hot too, so. <laughs> yes. Lucas looks just like Chad Michael Murray, so, you know. Yeah, that's funny. I thought he looked familiar. <laughs> what are your thoughts about Lucas and Peyton so far? Um, I am shipping them. I remember watching this for the first time. I was very excited for them to, like, make out in the bedroom. And I was sad that Peyton stormed off. So, at this current moment... Yes, I am shipping the two of them together. Oh, and I love the look across the patio, I guess, when they were standing outside. Oh, yes. That is so amazing. I love it. And Brooke thought he was looking at her, and I'm like, nope. Oh, no. (laughs) Brooke, you're just not getting it. (laughs) As Haley says, put some ice on it. (laughs) Not Haley. It was was Nathan who said that. As Nathan said, put some ice on it. (laughs) All right, well, I'm done talking about these two. So, I'm loving Dub and Karen. I am too. I'm shipping them. (laughs) I was going to say the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. They They should just date each other. (laughs) Please. Oh my gosh. This is such an unexpected friendship. Mm -hmm. It's really refreshing. And I know I've said that in previous episodes, but it, it really is. They are so nice to each other. And Deb is just genuinely kind to Karen and making her feel welcome. It's great. And she even confronts Dan earlier when she says, your worst nightmare will be what'll happen if they show up and you do anything to make them uncomfortable in our home. And I'm like, all right, go Deb. She's really standing up to him. 
I like mm-hmm. it. And he, he needs to be stood up to because, you know, for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah. And then Sherry says, uh, mentions how the cakes were to die for because they mm-hmm. have to end up getting um, desserts from Karen's Cafe. But Sherry asks where they came from. And then Deb is like, oh, it's in the book under Karen's Cafe. Just like really showing off. Like the fact that like, yep. this is from Karen. It's so, so lovely. I also like that there's a lot of clarification that happens between the two of them, too. I, I didn't even know that happened. And I, I didn't know, yet alone in this episode, I didn't know this happened at all. Karen finds out that Zeb didn't even know about Karen being pregnant until, like, after they were both married and living in Tree Hill. So that always makes you wonder, like, how long of a period of time, like, was she being left unaware? Yeah, you kind of wonder that. Like, was it a few years or was it a few months? Like, when did they actually get married and then move to Tree Hill? I don't think we ever find out the exact timeline. I don't, I don't think we ever do either, no. But that's something I'm interested in in knowing, but whatever. Regardless, Deb had no idea. I like how Deb, she admits to Karen that she's glad she didn't know about her back then, because then she wouldn't have Nathan. Yes, that was very true, I know, it was nice for her to admit that, and Karen was like, I I get it. Yeah, of course. Like, what other response would Karen have? Like, oh, you're really shitty that you're happy that you have a son that you love. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Why would Karen even say that? No, I get it, too. So I like that the two of them are both holding space for each other. I thought it was very sweet. And then I also like two other scenes with with Karen. She and Whitey actually spoke for the first time. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize. I don't think I ever realized that this was the first time like, this was our first conversation on the show. Is it really? Oh, wow. Yeah. You didn't oh, catch that part? No, I mean, I caught the conversation. I didn't realize it was the first time they talked to each other, but... It, it definitely was the first time they talked to each other, because the way the conversation sounded, it just made it seem like this was the first time that... Because Whitey was like, he recognized her. He knew who she was. And then he was complimenting Lucas on being such a, a good, you know, person. Right. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And another scene that I liked that Karen was in was at the the end of the episode when she's leaving the party and she sees Dan and she says to him, and this is really what helps kind of give her some closure. Look around, Dan. You have a wonderful life. Why are you spending it stuck in the past? Mm -hmm. And this, at this party, Karen was able to move on. But Dan, Dan still can't move on. She's on such a journey and I am living for it. Agreed. Let's talk about the big revelation that happens at the very ends. Jake has a baby daughter? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Do we know it's a daughter at this point? There's, well, I mean, there's a pink blanket. Okay. In 2000, yeah, in 2003, they would have been living by gender stereotypes, so we can't assume. (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely a pink blanket. (laughs) I mean, I don't feel like the daughter is too much of a spoiler anyway. It has a baby. No, I don't think it is. I'm just asking. Like, do we know it's a daughter? It could have been a son, but I'm guessing, like, in 2003, yeah, pink blanket, yeah, you're definitely a daughter. If it was a 2020, it could be different. But, you know, they weren't there yet in 2003. (laughs) But, um, yeah, that was wild. What did you think of the storyline when you first saw it? When I first saw it, I don't really remember my reaction, but I'm sure I was really surprised. It's still kind of a surprising storyline. The fact that it's a teen dad. That's shocking in itself. What about you? Um, well, the first time I saw this, I had this spoiled for me, so I don't even have like a genuine, honest reaction to it. But something I have to like be a little bit critical of and to think about like the person who created the show. 
I think it's trying to like put, I don't want to say it's trying to put men in a good light, but the fact that we're given space, a storyline to a teen dad, which is great. And I feel like that's very progressive in its own way, but I just think it's, it's sort of like their way of trying to like, let's put out a storyline about a good guy. Cause you know what? I am a good guy. And the I I'm speaking in reference to is the creator of the show. Yeah. So it just makes me think about stuff like that a little bit. But regardless, I do like the storyline. I think it's very fascinating. And I like where it goes. Yeah, it's interesting to think in the context of who created the storyline. Yes. It is something that's underrepresented, so I do like where it's going as well. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I'm not trying to say, like, you know, there are teen dads out there, I think, who are taking care of a child. And at this point, like, we have no idea about the mother in this situation. Is the mother in the picture? Who knows? Yeah, we don't know the context of that. Is there even a, is there even a mother period? Like, you know, who knows? Is it a baby that he picked up on the side of the street and now he's just raising? We don't know. We have no idea. We just know that he is referring to himself as daddy. And you know, the song that's playing while that's revealed is Brian Greenberg, who's the actor who plays Jake. Mm-hmm. Did he ever have a music career? Yeah. He has albums on Spotify. Really? Stuff. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. Are we ready to talk about our top favorite moments? Yay. <laughs> All right, Jeremy, what was your favorite quote? Um, my quote is kind of corny. It doesn't really it's not even like a big like meaningful quote. It's not iconic or anything by any means. But I love when Lucas tells Haley, "Well, you won't get it from me." When she was saying that she deserves it, I told you so. I just thought that was very sweet and I just I just love that moment. That really says a lot about Lucas and their friendship. Definitely. That's sweet. What was your favorite quote? So, mine is Lucas and Peyton related, and- Oh, yeah. I'll have more to say after the credits, but- (laughs) (laughs) Lucas says the following, I wanted this for so long, Peyton says, me too, and now we can have it. And then Peyton uses that quote in her art at the end of the episode. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see where that's going to go, and- I like that it was featured in her art as well. Oh, definitely. I also like how the artwork too, like you notice like when she does the apostrophe T, because she changes and now we can have it and now we can't have it. But the apostrophe T, it's like a a different font from like the rest of the artwork. So it just shows that she's a little bit hesitant. She just like added that in. Yeah. I thought that was really, I, I thought that was very cool and very symbolic. And I feel like it was just, it was a sweet moment between them. And I'm sad that it ended the way it did, but I like that quote. Definitely. What's your favorite musical moments? (laughs) Speaking of that moment, (laughs) (laughs) my favorite is She Will Be Loved by Maroon 5 because- Of course, we we have the same one. (laughs) I can't, that can't not be my favorite because I love that scene so much. And that is an iconic song. Also, this song came out in 2002. And this aired in 2003. Man, that song must have been expensive, but it was worth it <laughs> to get it in <laughs> <Definitely>. the show. <laughs> and it completely conveys like the emotions that are going on in that scene, so for very obvious reasons. I don't think we really need to dissect the lyrics. If you don't no. know, like she she will be loved by Maroon 5, by all means look it up. But who knows? We could have younger listeners who are like, who's Maroon 5? And it was a much different Maroon 5 back in 2002 and 3, so, than it is now. (laughs) Wait, was it really? No, I'm saying, like, their songs are so different, or they used to be so different than they are now, I feel like. Oh, really? I obviously have not paid enough close attention to them. I don't think I've listened to music since, like, 2000. This is the good Maroon 5, but I'm not going to pass my judgments on Maroon 5. I'll I'll (laughs) say that. 
I like a few of their recent heads. Like, there's some maps. Not a huge fan of their current stuff, but really? do like their old stuff. Yeah. And this is like, okay. this is their old stuff. All right. Yes, I think, yeah, their older stuff is definitely very, very iconic. I'm nostalgic when I hear this song. Like, I just think mm-hmm. of growing up. Like, it's... 2000s like it's a classic 2000 song it's my favorite song to listen to when i'm like looking out the car window with the rain pouring down <laughs> and i just want to have like an emo music moment like that's my favorite song to listen to i don't mind spending every day out on your corner in the pouring rain <laughs> i was dancing so all the Jeremy's listeners are home now. <laughs> yeah i'm gonna jam out to that once we're finished um Another song I want to give an honorable mention to is Calling All Angels by Train, yes, which is in Dakota. That's an honorable mention for me, too. Very good. But my love definitely goes to our She Will Be Loves. Agreed. What was your rating for the episode? I give this one a five out of five. Wow. Games of Truth or Dare. Really? Okay. Tell me more. <laughs> This is this is one of my favorite episodes of season one. Is it because of uh, Lucas and Peyton? Definitely because of Lucas and Peyton. I love the whole episode focuses on a party. I thought it mm-hmm. was done really well, developing the characters. Nathan is starting to change in this episode. I'm seeing that. I'm liking where that's going. And the secret at the end was quite intriguing. So overall, yes, five out of five for me. What about you? Interesting. I give this a four out of five screaming orgasms. <laughs> and the only reason, like, it it would get a full five out of five for me if it wasn't for the two plot points that pissed me off. The one is Nathan and Haley just not talking to each other. It's a terrible conflict for me. And I think Brooke is just out of character for me. And I feel like it's inconsistent from what we have seen previously in Brooke. So that's the only reason it doesn't get a five out of five for me. Otherwise... I think it's a perfect episode. Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at alwaysothpod. You can also email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com. That's always O-T-H-P-O-D. You can follow Jeremy Rodriguez on Twitter at RodriguezJeremy. You can follow Caitlin Illinich on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll, we'll be, be seeing you. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is a reminder to turn off this podcast now. And spoilers! Yes! I loved seeing the season one Leighton scene, and then looking up the season four mm-hmm. scene when they're at that house party. and That's at Nathan's house, too, isn't it, if I'm not mistaken? I can't remember whose house it is. I'm pretty sure it's at Nathan's. There were a few house parties that season. But yeah, <laughs> um, it just brought things full circle and they say the same thing that they said in season one. I wanted this for so long. Me too. And now we can have it. They pretty much say the same thing again. So it's like they got a redo and I 
I loved that in season four. <laughs> and it's just like, a, like you said, it's a redo. It ends on a more positive note at that time. Yeah, and they're, they're happy. They're in a relationship and they're happy. Took them so yeah. long to get there, but yeah. Yeah, they're... yeah. I'm, 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 so, I'm so happy for them in season four, yeah. Is that sarcasm? <laughs> I detect a hint of sarcasm. I'm not digging that. <laughs> not at all. Okay, <laughs> You're telling me that you didn't have all the feels at the championship game when there are moments when the confetti is falling down and they have that moment. There, you had no there feelings. There are moments that you I absolutely no love. Get out. There are moments that I love. I think these two have great chemistry. I do love it. There are so many moments in the relationship though that are just so boring to me though. <laughs> There's one episode in season four, I will never forget it, where there's a song playing in the background, and they're making out in the middle of the hallway. Lucas lifts Peyton up, and, like, they swing around in the hallway, and nobody is even paying attention to what is going on in the middle of the hallway. I hate that scene so, so much. Why? I don't even really remember (laughs) that, but why? I remember that vividly. There's, like, a song that's like, I'll wait for love, I'll wait for you. I don't remember the exact lyrics or who sings it or anything like that, but that scene bothers me so, so much. I don't know why. You're a hater. It just does. You're a hater. I am not a hater. I do like them together, and I am very happy that they end up together. Really? But that's it. (laughs) Overall, yeah. That's all you're going to say? That's all. That's honestly all I have to say. Like I said, there is a chance that I could change my mind as I rewatch this show because I feel like a part of me back then really romanticized the unrequited love portion of Brooke's story. I definitely romanticized that back then. Now that I'm like almost hitting 30, I don't think that's romantic anymore. So I could like be thinking differently now. Okay. Well, stay open-minded. We'll We'll see. see. That's all. That's all I have to say. Let's talk about something else, please. Jake and Jenny! Yes! Oh boy, I'm just waiting for crazy Nikki. I love Nikki. I like I like her as a villain. I think she's a really interesting character. Jake is such a good dad, and he didn't deserve all that. Yeah. It's kind of disturbing. Mm-hmm. The one that I find that's kind of um tragic about the whole thing with Jenny, though, is that and <laughs> here's where we're gonna get into with my um with my Lucas and Peyton hate. Um <laughs> Not so much hate, I would say. Just like, you know, call it out a little bit. Um, Jenny gets so attached to Peyton, and in the second to last episode where Peyton and Jake are actually together as a couple, Jenny calls Peyton Mama. What episode was this? Like the end of season three. Oh, wow. Yeah, she actually calls um, Peyton Mama, and then that's what um, causes Peyton to tell Jake, do you want to get married? Yeah. He says yes until he finds out that um, Peyton's in love with Lucas, which the heart wants what it wants. Like, you know, nobody can like you to fault Peyton for wanting that. But I'm almost kind of like upset the fact that Peyton didn't try to maintain a relationship with Jenny after that point. Yeah. It's sad to think that Jake and Jenny, yeah, they li- they leave at the end of season three and, and you have no idea what happens to them ever yeah. again. I like that there was a little bit of closure with the... With the Nikki storyline, we find out that Nikki is in town, and essentially Nikki and Jake are co-parents and Jenny. I like that. I like that we got a conclusion to that storyline happening. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we never see Nikki again after, after she kidnaps Jenny, so I do like that she turns out to actually be a good person, or at least is trying to be a good person. I'm glad there was closure. 
with yeah. that storyline. But I don't really know where they would have fit in if they even did come back into the series. There really wouldn't have been a place yeah. for them. I don't think there would have been either. It's interesting to think about, though. Yeah. Like, I would have liked to have seen, like, I don't know, Jenny come back to Tree Hill in some way. Like, I don't know how they could have organically done that. Yeah, maybe as, like, a grown-up kid during a time jump. I don't know. Well, how old would she have been? She wouldn't have been much older than Jamie, so that would have just had, like, another kid on the show, so I don't know if I would have liked that either. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It wouldn't have made much sense. (laughs) But I'm just saying, like, you know, I was a little bit disappointed that Peyton didn't try to maintain a relationship with Jenny at that point. Like, I don't know, even if they did something stupid, like, oh, I speak to Jenny sometimes over Skype. Yeah, if there was just, like, a little reference, it would have been nice. Yeah, because she loved that little girl. And then it's just like, like, I get it. She was in love with Lucas. I have space for that. You get the heart wants what it wants again. But she also loved Jenny. And you mean she doesn't, like, once she figures out that she doesn't love Jake, she finds out that she doesn't care about Jenny either. Some part of that, like, kind of bothers me. Yeah, she just disappears forever. I guess the thinking is that Jenny's so young that she really won't remember Peyton, but... Peyton was there for a lot of it, so. Yeah. Like, I understand Jenny probably Jenny probably won't remember Peyton when she gets older. But, again, why doesn't Peyton care? Why doesn't she care? I know. Instead, she goes back to Lucas. I don't think I ever really thought about Jenny that much until now. Yeah. Honestly. Well, you're welcome. Maybe you'll switch ships. Ha! Never! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But... <laughs> Whatever. We're getting some really good episodes. We are. I would say that the earlier episodes, though, they were definitely a search for something more, wouldn't you say? Yes. Which is also the title (laughs) of the next episode we will be discussing. We will be discussing season one, episode eight, the search for something more. According to our One Tree Hill DVD box sets, with a promise of no booze, Brooke talks Peyton into attending a party at Duke. No booze, but how about pills? When Peyton is slipped a date rate drug, Brooke rescues her friend and calls Lucas for help. I hate the way that description is read. No booze, but how about pills? Ugh. It I makes, know. It's so cringy. It is really cringy. I just didn't like reading it just now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, it's uncomfortable, but okay, whatever, I guess... We'll just, we'll just sign off. That's how it was. That's how it was written in the box sets. We're gonna let it go, I guess. Yeah, we'll let it go because that's the official description. But there's some heavy stuff in the next episode. Yeah. Uh, all right. Time to say goodbye. We'll, we'll be, be seeing, seeing you. Ya.